We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, it's weird. I feel like just when you start having expectations for this team, for the Colts, you know, we talk all year about, well, they're overachieving, that if they make the playoffs, it'd be great. If they win 89 games, it'll be great. Chance Sykes maybe a coach of the year. And then you start to, you really start to like, wow, they, they, they just win a few games. They're going to the playoffs. They, they should do it. They should beat these teams. They're not as good as them. And then they start to disappoint. It's like, man, it, I don't know. I feel like it's a battle of expectations. You were in Atlanta on Christmas Eve. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. I should throw that in there. I hope everybody here listening had a Merry Christmas. Um, what was it like down there? I know there's a lot of empty seats, uh, but what was it like down there? And yeah, I mean, that game got away from the Colts and pretty quick, pretty quick. And they never got back in it. Yeah, obviously it was a promising start. Jonathan Taylor, first drive. Right. Looked pretty good in his return, had an 18-yard run, capped it off with the one-yard plunge for a touchdown. And you're thinking, okay, 13 plays, 75 yards, touchdown, they're up 7-0. That was what I wrote in my story, surgical. Um, they were deliberate. They looked really good. And to me, that was part of the question coming in because Zach Moss wasn't available. JT coming back after missing three games with the thumb surgery. Okay, how would his thumb feel? How would he hold up? He looked great on that drive. He looked like an, you know the superstar yep. that we know him to be. And then it all came crashing down um, as quickly, I guess, as it started. You know, the Falcons responded on their next drive. B. John Robinson was actually the best running back in that game and arguably yep. the best player in that game. Um, gashed the Colts with the 32-yard run on his first attempt. And then right after that, I believe like one play later, they hit Powell Pitts for a 24-yard touchdown, and they tied the game. And from there, they took control. And you look up at the end, it's 29-10. to 10, And I just felt like, of course, there's going to be losses in the NFL. And on paper, to me, the Colts were the better team, and given their record and what they accomplished this year, I think others would agree. But the manner in which they lost was a bit concerning because it was – so uncharacteristic you know there weren't yeah. a lot of penalties for them but there were some untimely ones um right. you know there was the one where Amir speeds offsides on a, on a field goal which didn't lead to any more points it eventually set up for another field goal but again you're thinking in the moment dude you can't let that happen i know ej speed got called for a horrible roughing or unnecessary roughness call when he hit a guy that yeah. was inbound i was like that was that's a bad just, call. that was terrible i was like we need like a replay review like the nba or something because that was so bad yeah. Um, or, or the ability to challenge something like that, because I, in my mind, I'm like, he didn't hit him out of bounds. What's going on? But all of that to say, when you look at the defense as a whole, I'll start there. They missed way too many tackles. I mean, yeah. I get it. B. John Robinson is a fantastic player. Zaire Franklin said he told him that himself after the game. But for someone who I'm sure was at the top of the scouting report to let him run wild oh, like yeah. that and to make everyone look silly was, I mean, fascinating because obviously you have to tip your cap to a talented player, but at the same time, I mean, how many guys, guys are going to miss tackles? I mean, I, it felt like even beyond Bijan, they could never get anyone down on their first tackle attempt, and as we keep watching the game, they'll eventually get them down, but it's after they've already made the first guy miss and they've gained six or seven yards, and I had it in my story. By my count, they had, I believe, like nine players, nine different players 
who had a carry or a reception of at least 10 yards, and that included Taylor Heineke, the quarterback. And so, again, this is just stuff you can't happen when you're operating in a system that doesn't allow you to have a lot of margin for error. I know the Colts have, like you said, Jim, overachieved this season, but they've done that because they've minimized a lot of their own mistakes, and they do that knowing that they don't have a lot of room for um, making up, to be honest. And so after a while, when you're you know in the game and they go down 20 to 7, I believe it was at one point, in my mind, I was like, well, I can get started on writing my you know quick yeah. game story because this is over. They don't have the offense to really get back into games and force you to uh, you know make them pay. And then also, we talked about it, Jim, the slow starts. They started fast, yep. went up 7 nothing. Then after that, they sputtered and, and, and kind of stalled out. And they didn't have enough firepower to really get back in the game until it was, you know, too little, too late. So um, I don't know what it was from your perspective, but I think defensively I was a bit surprised to see them, um, you know, guys like Zaire Franklin and um, Kenny Moore miss tackles when that's what they do. They get you on the ground. Right. So, yeah, just to give you guys background on, on you know, my job, a lot of times, especially as this game's going on, we see the kind of Colts fall into pieces. I start looking at the, I start looking into numbers a lot of the time. Obviously, James is there, so I trust his eyes and what he's seeing. So I start looking at the numbers to see I can back up whatever he wants to write. And, you know, I start digging in. And obviously, there are numbers that push against the Colts and what they did. But I was, I, I was immediately struck, I should say, by, you know, just how kind of neutral the numbers were. I, I, I was like, okay, third down, Colts are five of 14, Falcons five of 13. First down or fourth downs, they both converted one. Uh, they both had 10 or 11 drives. They both didn't throw for a ton of yards. There was only one turnover. Time of possession was relatively equal. Penalties were relatively equal. Four for 29 for the Colts, four for 35 for the Falcons. So it came down to me, as I sent to you at the time, was it just came down to being able to run the ball and not being able to stop the run. It was it. Those are the two things that I the saw. Trenches. Again, obviously there was a missed tackle. And you, and you, again, you, we kind of talk about the same thing. Missed tackles. I mean, they, they could not stop E. John Robinson, whether it was catching, you know, in the flats on those checkdowns from Taylor Heineke or, or, you know, like I said, in the running game normally. And then after that first drive, I think Jonathan Taylor had that 13 yard carry, a six yard carry. He finished with 42 yards. So we're talking about what? 25, 25 yards after, after that game. It was one of his worst games as a, as a Colt ever. You put that in your story. He averaged 2.38 yards per carry. It's the third worst outing of his career when he's gotten at least 10 carries in a game. So again, I hate to kind of beat a dead horse or, you know, again, which is a great, just a great uh, phrase for uh, the Colts at this point. (laughs) Um, But, uh, this this team can't rely on Gardner Minshew to carry them. If they can't run the ball, they they can't they can't score and they can't win. And it was a little if you're a Colts fan, it would be a little bit freaky because when you see all those kind of neutral numbers in terms of penalties and conversions and turnovers, again, I know the Colts had one, but everything was pretty close to even in those numbers, some of those key numbers. And when you lose by 19, that's a bad sign because you're losing to a team that that maybe just is more talented than you or 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 outplayed you. And at this point of the year, you can't let a team like Atlanta do that. And again, I know it was in Atlanta, but man, this is a, this. You wrote about this. This is starting to feel a lot like a couple of years ago, man, where they had everything they wanted in front of them. They had they could de- control their own destinies, win the games that they need to win, and they're in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, now we're staring down a Raiders game, same situation as two years ago. And it's like, and I feel like they're maybe not playing the worst football of the, of the season because they're so up and down. It's kind of hard. There's nothing. You know, as journalists, I think we're looking for rhythms. We're looking for patterns. And right now, the Colts don't seem to have one, though I do think over the past month or two, 
It's just been way more up and down than has been typical. Yeah. Some really sloppy games and then some decent games and then back to being sloppy. I just think this Colts team is out of whack right now. A lot of that has to do with Michael Pittman, and we'll get into that too. Um, but I just feel like this Colts team's not playing its best football, which is scary because I think the Raiders are. Yeah, they've won two straight, I believe, and they're coming into Lucas Oil with Antonio Pierce leading the charge, and they're feeling like a team that wants to spoil some parties, right? And so that's something to keep yeah. an eye on. And I definitely will They're not be... even out of it yet. No, they right. Con- they can, I mean, they need a lot of help, but they can still get in technically. Exactly. And, and, and then, like you said, whenever you have even just the slightest bit of maybe we can get in, that makes you play all that much harder, you know, because guys aren't, you know, necessarily looking at flight flights and vacations and things like that just yet. <laughs> and so I'll add to the Michael Pittman Jr. front, this is how it, it yeah. basically went down. Um, we obviously saw him practice last week. Um, he was limited Friday with a shoulder, not a concussion. He was cleared for concussion protocol. And this is just let everyone in on how journalism works and being a reporter. This is where I have to be better about asking more direct questions because when we spoke to Shane Steichen, you know, we asked about the concussion. He was like, he cleared protocol. And in our minds, we're like, okay, that means he's good to play. And so I tweeted that out. And then he came out on the injury report that he's questionable to play. I'm like, wait a second, why is he questionable? It was because of the shoulder originally. And so in hindsight, I should have just asked flat out, will he be available to play? Not had he just cleared concussion protocol. A little bit of a you know mix up there. And then Saturday we get to Atlanta and then we get the report, not the report actually, just the notification from the team. Hey, he's been ruled out. And it turns out that it wasn't because of the shoulder it was because of the concussion and, you know, he had cleared protocol and let everyone in. It's not a big conspiracy theory. He got cleared by an independent, you know, neurological consultant, you know, what they call an INC. And so he got cleared by an INC, cleared by the team. And so he he was available to play until he got to Atlanta and there were some issues with just some of the concussion symptoms coming back. And I know there was also questions about did the flight make it worse and all those things. I actually read a story um, last year about two obliques from USA Today where they, you know, there's been a big study about that and there's not been enough data to really correlate the two to like, you know, you taking a flight and you having worse yeah. concussion system, things like that. It was worth obviously thinking about, but the long story short, concussions and brains are complex. And again, we saw it with Ryan Kelly and it maybe wasn't as, uh, I want to say I don't want to say dramatic. Maybe the wrong word, but maybe it wasn't as advertised because with Ryan he regressed like on a Friday, so the word was out before the team had to travel or do anything. But with Michael Pittman Jr., it's just a matter of he wasn't available to go, and it happened so late in the week that obviously they game plan for him being in there. And then sure. when he wasn't, it affected their offense. Um, I know after the game, Shane Steichen saying no excuses and all those things. But when you lose a guy that we just talked about, you know, before we got live on the pod, Jim who is still, I believe, like top five in receptions this year, um, you know, was on pace to lead the league in receptions, all those things. It, it hurts you. And this is a guy who I think the biggest compliment I can give Pitt this year is that you could pencil him in for like eight catches, 70 yards, like pretty much every game. And then if he goes over that, you're like, he had another big game. But you could just pencil him in to make a difference for this offense. And he was not able to do that. And we saw how stagnant it looked when you don't have that guy who can really make you pay and and make the defense pay. And so we saw, you know, Alec Pierce 
you know, uh, uh, had a bad drop in that game after having a, a good, you know, defensive pass interference to get a touchdown. We saw Josh Downs get a little bit more of a run. We saw, you know, DJ Montgomery and others. But again, they were missing that that top dog and it showed. And, um, you know, we don't know. It's a small, small sample size. But I mean, to be honest, the last time Pittman wasn't available was week two last year at Jacksonville. And it was 24 to nothing. And so, again, Jim, this is a guy who means a lot to their offense. And yeah. I, I can't blame them necessarily for looking the way they did when they're they're missing a guy who, to me, has thrust himself into Pro Bowl contention and obviously mm -hmm. has thrust himself into a future big payday when he becomes a free agent. Yeah, he's uh, just to go over the numbers, six in receptions at 99. That's, we, I, again, I... I I think I need to apologize to Michael Pittman, his family, oh, and all man. Colts fans, because I, I maybe we mentioned this on the last podcast, but I was I was sending James all kinds of numbers when he got to ninety nine. You know, he had just crossed a thousand in that game as well, so yep. I was sending him numbers on how many times other Colts receivers had done it. You know, hundred catches, thousand yards, all that stuff, and we talked about it on the. I know we talked about it on a podcast. I think two podcasts ago that he had a really good chance of leading the league in receptions. I mean, Keenan Allen is out at one hundred eight. He's second. Ceedee Lamb just passed him. He's at one hundred nine. I kind of still think that if Pittman came back, he'd have a chance because he catches so many freaking passes for this team. I guess I just want to ask you a question um, because the Colts have done a really good job with the next man up. I mean, heck, your story two weeks ago was about DJ Montgomery, oh, Tyler Goodson, those guys yeah. all stepping up and filling in. And I just didn't feel like we saw that this week. I mean, I, I, my bigger question, I mean, obviously Alec Pierce has been a little bit disappointing. Three for 30, hasn't done as much as we thought, but I... I know I'll be the last guy to admit this because you know how big of a fan I am of Josh Downs, but I I really did expect him to make a bigger impact on the stretch, and I feel like he's been pretty quiet. Um, any yeah. any thoughts on that? Any explanation for that? Is he hitting a rookie wall? Do you feel like they're not using him the right ways? Well, what are you seeing with Josh Downs, and why think, hasn't he made a bigger impact here? I think it's partly the rookie wall, but also teams know what he's good at now, and so okay. the next challenge is: can you be? Can you be a, a counterproductive where where they make a move or they make a move to take you away and you still find a way to be available for this team? And I know that's been one of his biggest frustrations is, you know, he had a strong start to the season, making yep. big catches, making big plays. But now we're seeing, OK, they're finding ways to take you away underneath and forcing you to really catch the ball and immediately go down. Like, that's the other thing. And I haven't seen him have a lot of catch and run opportunities like he had earlier no. in the year. Um, yep. I haven't seen a lot of the downfield throws, partly because of who the quarterback is throwing him the ball, um, all of those things. And so I think also with him, he's a guy who suffers when Michael Pittman Jr. isn't available because sure. Pittman commands so much attention that it forces a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities with Josh Downs. And to be honest, he's going to win one-on-one -on -one against a linebacker, against another cornerback most of the time, especially in short area situations where, I mean, if you got a you know, a five-yard route, something like that, he's going to get open. It's just, again, when you have more eyes on him, when you have more bodies to throw at him, that's when it becomes, I think, a bit more stagnant, a little more difficult for him to get open and really make teams pay. But this is where I wonder, you know, obviously about Pitt's status going forward. We'll be available yeah. this week. We'll find out. But if they have a full week to game plan, would that be beneficial to a guy like Josh Downs where they could maybe, you know, drop a few more things, some motion things? You know, with him, I do think you have to be a bit more creative because of the size factor. I know yeah. he does not like to bring up the fact that he is undersized and he's proven to be a productive player regardless. However, 
there are some things that you just have to do to make his life easier, whether it's, you know, motioning him out of the backfield, whether it's, yeah. you know, um, you know, hey, do you use 12 personnel and try to do something where you get a couple linebackers, not linebackers, a couple tight ends out there, he's underneath, whatever the case may be. I think that this is one of those situations where um, they have to be a little more creative, maybe a full week of game planning can help them do so if they know what they have available. Because again, when you think you're going to have Michael Pittman Jr., when he right. flies to Atlanta because you think you're going to have him, then the day before they're like, hey, he's out. You have to pivot. And I'm sure they have contingency plans and all those things. You wouldn't be an NFL staff if you didn't. However, um, obviously plan A was, uh, a, 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 I would imagine, a lot more um, worked through and tailored than plan B or C or D or whatever. So um, we'll see. And then I also think when you don't see sort of that 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 leap from Alec Pierce to at least mask as your number one, then yeah. maybe you do need a little more from downs because I don't know if I don't know if Alec Pierce necessarily has the versatility to step in and and and, and assume a bigger role if Pitt can't go. I think Josh has a little more versatility in his game. Sure. Some of his skill set, but um again, it's a difficult situation to be in. And you just wonder, Jim, again, this team has overcome so much this season. The absences of Jonathan Taylor two times, yeah. you know, with obviously Anthony Richardson going down early in the season, Grover Stewart, others. You wonder how much can one team bear and how much can you rely on the old cliche next man up? What if that man is Michael Pittman Jr. and he's really, really good? So, you know, that, yeah, that's something to keep might in be mind. That might be the final straw. Like you said, it might just be the final straw. Like they've overcome everything else, you know, a quarterback, running backs, two running backs at times. You know, they didn't have Moss last week either. I mean, with Jonathan Taylor out. I mean, they've they've missed other receivers and tight ends and offensive linemen. I just, maybe Pittman is just that good, which by the way, we'll speak to how valuable he is to this team and how much they need to pay him to bring him back. Is If this offense really struggles again without him, um, I do want to, again, I want to get to ask him to give you another tough question because I feel like this is one of those, if you had the answer to it, you know, you'd have Shane Steichen would be calling you and talking you talking it through with you. But the running game, I think a lot of people really it's hope so that weird. With Jonathan Taylor back. Yeah, I think a lot of people hope with Jonathan Taylor back, it would just write itself. But and I'm looking at the advanced numbers. They're not the worst 2.04 yards before contact. So the offensive line was doing fine. That's better than average typically. But just 1.64 yards um, after contact. I I don't know. It doesn't. It didn't seem like he was at his best. It didn't seem like the line was at its best. Obviously, they got game scripted out of the running game a little bit by the end. Um, what's going on? And can they figure it out against the Raiders? Yeah, this was the most frustrated I've seen John Taylor in a while, and probably the most candid he's been. Now he's not a super candid guy. He's not like a Zaire or DeForest Buckner or Quiddy Pay, who's gonna you know give you some awesome soliloquy about what happened but <laughs> yeah he did kind of hint at the fact that the offensive line and he wasn't throwing his teammates under the bus he was just saying i have to be yeah. better and we have to be better as a unit because there wasn't any sort of crazy defensive scheme that they were using he was saying after the first drive they went to a lot of five-man fronts meaning they have Five defensive guys on the line. We got five guys up front. And simple math says it's one-on-one. -on -one. We got to win those blocks. And so after talking to Jonathan Taylor, I went over to Bernard Ryman. He said the same thing. He was like, I have to be better for my team. And he was like, it's not some secret that Atlanta is going to run the ball. We all knew that. It comes down to can we win our one-on-one -on -one blocks and force them to uh, adjust. It felt like, you know, you got Kales Campbell who – 
I don't know if he's like the ageless wonder. He just plays and plays, and every year such he a big fan of that guy. More yep. sacks, and I and I'm of the you know the mindset if you get a hundred sacks in your career, you might be a good player. Um, just a just a hint there, but <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm like breaking it down, Jim. You know, super riveting analysis. But yeah, I mean, when you have guys like him controlling the line of scrimmage and you can't respond, you can't bounce back. Obviously, you can't run the ball. And I think the more concerning thing is that. You knew this was going to be the case against the Steelers too, and you were able to have some success. So my my, my the thing that's kind of you know making me scratch my head is why has it been so up and down? You know, the last month of the season really it's been win loss, win loss, yep. and so a lot of it has come down to the trenches. And can you win up front? And when they do, they win the game. And when they don't, they lose the game. And it goes back to what you were saying, Jim, where you can't rely on Gardner Minshew to be your best player or be your your most important player because after a while, as we've seen, he's going to turn the ball over. He has 17 total touchdowns this year and 14 total turnovers. And so um, that ratio, as he continues to play, it's going to even out. He's basically, you know, prior to the three touchdown game that he had, I believe against the Steelers, um, he was basically even. It was like one for one for a touchdown or a turnover. And that's not really good enough to sustain a certain level of excellence. And also, it doesn't help when your defense doesn't give you a lot of short fields to work with either. Yeah. Um, you're not putting the defense back out there um, you know, uh, right away. You're not making the defense tired. And it felt like it was actually the reverse of that, where your defense was tired, they were going tempo, and you weren't able to really respond from it. So, um, you know, this was a game where – they had a couple opportunities for turnovers. I know the biggest one that I can remember is Zaire Franklin. He had a chance for a pick six in the second quarter, and uh, you could just see him being frustrated because he dropped the, he dropped it. You know, good good play, good pass breakup, but you need more. You need that splash play. You need that play to be what Zaire Franklin called himself earlier. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. If you are, you got to make that play. And so um, without the turnovers and then with turnovers of their own, they don't have enough firepower to really, again, get over the top and make teams pay. So um, we'll see. I think that this game is very ominous of what could happen against the Raiders. And I know you read my story. Um, you saw with my lead and with some of the conversations that I had, particularly with Quiddy Pay, who brought this up, by the way, for the listeners out there, unprompted. I did not go into this question saying, hey, does this feel like 2021 and your guys are right there? You might not get over the hump. He brought it up on his own, and he was very frustrated. I'm I'm just curious to see, um, you know, I, I know you weren't covering the team then, but just having a little bit more knowledge, I guess, than me of that time, Jim. What 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 was that time like? And maybe, um, what's your perspective on the deja vu that Quiddy Pay is saying that he's feeling and wants to make sure he doesn't totally feel again by season's end? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's one of those weird times where you weren't covering the team, I wasn't covering or editing with the team. It was kind of that weird, weird time gap between us. Um, yeah. But what I do remember and what I have read and I have, you know, talked to some people around the team, people who have covered the team, it was the beginning of the end. 
that Raiders game in 2021. It was the beginning of the end of the of the Frank Reich era. I think they they had a chance to lock things up, seal their you know punch their ticket to the playoffs. They lost. Obviously, everybody remembers what happened in Jacksonville the following week. It was. I think it's probably one of the worst Colts games in recent memory. I don't know if it's the worst, but it's got to be pretty pretty high up there. They just did not show up for a game they absolutely had to win against a very bad team. Remember, that was the Urban Meyer Jaguars. Now, that he had been fired at that point, but that was the Urban Meyer Jaguars They had team. lost so eight straight was, going into that game. Yeah, it was. They were a wretched team, and all the Colts needed to do was handle their business. And, of course, they, you know, it's the haunted house down there in Jacksonville, so that's what happened. But... Again, beginning of the end for the Frank Reich era, as we know, has been reported, I believe, by by our own Zach Kiefer that that was the that was pretty much the moment where Jim Irsay, the team owner, said, "I'm done with Carson Wentz." I think he lost a lot of faith in Frank Reich at that moment um, with what happened because of Carson Wentz. They obviously moved on from him. They get Matt Ryan. Things go very poorly at the beginning of the start of last year. Actually, we talked about this funny enough. They actually started what three and two, right? Yeah. They actually started off okay, but then things go very, go south quickly, and Frank Reich three, is fired. Two, and one. Yeah, Frank Reich is fired. Jeff Saturday is brought on. Things go very poorly there. And we have a new era. We have a new reset. So it's funny that it comes back to the Raiders. I mean, it's just like you said, it's the deja vu, right? You, it was the end of one era. Now you're at the beginning of this new one with, again, a chance to. I don't think they have a chance to punch their ticket to the playoffs, but they can make their lives a whole heck of a lot easier with a win against the Raiders. A team, as we mentioned, that is still competing for the playoffs and is fighting for a lot and is feeling real confident after beating the Chiefs on Christmas Day, I mean, I think if anybody watched that game, they bullied the Chiefs in that game. And then you saw Antonio Pierce afterward getting kind of emotional about how well they played, how they're rallying behind him. That guy looks like he might be the permanent head coach and have that interim tag removed going into next year. We'll see. But they're playing for a lot, and they're believing in themselves right now. And it's just, yeah, it's a bad matchup. This is a team you wanted to get. If you know, you go back and talk to the schedule makers you you definitely would you would ask them if hey can we catch the raiders like the first 6 7 weeks of the season as opposed to the back half of the season because this is the wrong time to get them right now i mean i guess the only thing i would say is that you know, beloved Purdue son Aiden O'Connell is not looking great he didn't complete a pass after the first quarter um yesterday which is hard to do when you have receiving talent like Devonte Adams but he accomplished it and they still won that game i think it's going to be a slugfest i think they're going to the raiders are going to do what the Raiders want to do, which is drag you into the mud and then try to beat you up. Um, we'll see what the counter punches are from Steichen. He definitely tried, you know, looking through the numbers without Pittman, it definitely seemed like, hey, let's let's pepper the tight ends. Let's go over the middle. A lot of Kylan Granson, a lot of Will Mallory, a lot of Josh Downs well. targets at least. Yeah, if there was a bright spot, there was those two tight ends. They played pretty well. Yeah. And I think they're trying to use them, but I just I think we both know that they're not really number one options. They're probably not really number two options. If you're going to them as your focal point of your passing offense, Things have gone wrong. Now, again, right. they can be nice complimentary pieces, but if they're the number one and number two targets on your team, which they were in this last game, that's going to be a bit of a problem. So they need Michael Pittman back. I Yeah, I just wanted to kind of, I, I'm going to turn the question on you now, that kind of given the history. Why do you think Quiddy Pay got into that mindset immediately? It's funny. I mean, it was Christmas Eve. He's thinking about the, the Falcons game. A lot of these guys don't like looking back in the, I mean, most times you ask players or coaches about things that have happened in, you know, years gone by, they're like, that's in the past. It doesn't matter. We don't talk about that anymore. It's whatever. It's it's very rare that a player will bring that up on his own. And I mean, it's rare that a player would answer a question like that anyway. But to bring it up on his own, I, I thought was kind of astounding. Yeah. And I believe my question was something along the lines of, you know, what do you all need to do to write the ship? You know, nothing yeah. particularly, you know, fascinating or some crazy Pulitzer Prize winning question. 
I asked him a simple one and um, I know he was a bit frustrated. And I guess just a quick tip to the young journalists out there, really journalists in general, um, I always go back to the locker room because yeah, I went out because they do, they do the quarterback at the podium. So I left to go to talk to Gardner, who also gave a great quote, came back in the locker room and everyone was basically peeling out. Some of the other reports are taken off, whatever, different obligations. But I was like, let me just go back in here and see if there's anybody, you know, left that's worth talking to. And sometimes you can get a really good one on one, which is what happened with when I got Coy. I got him for literally two minutes and you could tell maybe that he had been waiting to say this. And so I asked him, hey, what went wrong today and, and what has to happen for you all to still capitalize on this in this playoff push? Mm -hmm. And he brought it up. He was like, it feels just like last year. And this is what he said. I was right there my rookie year, and it was the same exact situation. We're about to go to the playoffs, the last couple games we had to win, and we folded. This year, it's going to be a different story. And this was after he had basically told me, this is the, the first quote he said, that was the last one, because I think as a competitor, he's like, I'm never going to just say we don't have a chance or it's all over now, because it isn't. They have a really good chance to get in the playoffs. They handle their business these last two games. But the one that he started off with, he was like, the playoffs, this expletive, is right in front of our faces. We keep putting our destiny in other people's hands, and now we're sitting back, and we got to hope for this team to lose. We got to hope for that team to lose. When we could have won our last three games and punched our way into the playoffs, you know, he was like, we'll have the date to spend with our families for Christmas and expletive. Then it's back to work, and we got to take care of business. So he was not happy. I mean, he was like the Grinch. He was like, man, I got to go <laughs> home and open some gifts, you know, and I'm sure he was able to – unwind a little bit but yeah. he was very much like it sounded like if we could practice tomorrow he would do it and so um yeah. it came up i think because that feeling of being close never really leaves you and especially losing in that manner and this is a guy quitty and i think the, the oh the reason why it even got prompted was because after the game i just i remember it actually exactly now gardner Minshew told the team I take it for granted. And that was something that Zaire Franklin revealed. And so I followed up with Gardner, and Gardner gave this great, great quote about how he was like, everybody thinks we have a lot of chances. Everyone thinks they have all these chances in the yeah. NFL, but he's like, we that's not the case. You don't get a lot of chances to go on a run, to play meaningful football in December. You don't have to have that opportunity a ton. We have to you know, capitalize on that. And so I asked Quiddy Pay about that, and that's when he brought up 2021. He's like, we had a chance, and this is exactly what Gardner was talking about. He was like, Gardner's been to the playoffs. You know what it feels like? He said, I don't. You know, I haven't had that opportunity. And I and, and it's funny because you're thinking, oh, it's it's a rookie, you know, rookie quitty, you know, had a pretty good year, all those things. Maybe he, he he can put it behind him easier because he was a rookie first year, all those things. No, he, you can tell he was still mad that they were right there on the doorstep. And just because of the optics of it, it wasn't one of those things where they lost in a you know, barn burner or on a last second play against a really good team. They lost against a Raiders team back then. That was okay. They're pretty decent. And then to a very, very, very bad Jacksonville team and fell flat on their face and were embarrassed. Yes. Not just, they didn't just lose. They got embarrassed. And so I get it. There's a lot of things that have changed, obviously, since then, you know, Frank Reich isn't the coach anymore. That was the end of his run. We're at the beginning of Shane Steichen's run. And regardless of what happens the last two games, he's not going anywhere. We know he's a good coach. At least I believe so. But there is that that sick feeling that they don't want to feel again because they're right there. They've done all the hard work to give themselves a chance. So they want to make that last little push to get over the top. And again, 
you have a great opportunity to get right back on track. Sat, I mean, not Saturday, Sunday here at Lucas Oil Stadium. So um, we'll see how it goes. But Quiddy was definitely frustrated, and he was just saying, "I don't want to feel that again. We won't feel that again, and we'll see if they can, you know, prove him right, you know, against the Raiders, who again won't lay down." And, and I keep saying that because. The NFL is weird, man. You you have teams every week yeah. that you think, oh, that's definitely a loss or definitely a win, and it's just not that case. And even a team like you know the Eagles, you know, they won, not to go completely down the you know the uh, old coach you know tree, but Nick Sirianni and the Eagles aren't playing well right now, and they mm-hmm. had a scare against the Giants. So again, you just wonder what might happen when the Colts and the Raiders line up um, Sunday because it's not going to be some, in my opinion, some easy gimme game and um that was the message that really rang true in that locker room after the game was maybe we got ahead of ourselves and, and Gardner said it he was like you start counting play, you start counting wins you're looking at playoff scenarios you saw what watching what this team does that team does and you fall flat on your face like we can't do that we have to handle our business and I, I think I think he's he's right now the Colts aren't in the situation Jim where they can win the next two and automatically be in. They can't just clinch a playoff berth outright if they win the next two games. However, they still are in a pretty good position. That position changes drastically, obviously, though, if they lose against the Raiders. Yeah, I think if they lose against the Raiders, they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, there's too many teams with eight wins in the AFC right now. Exactly. Um, let me let me ask you. Kind and of they could have been leading part. the division. That's, oh, the, I know. that's the biggest thing we haven't even talked about. Had they won against a bad Falcons team, who still, by yep. the way, has a losing record, I believe at six and eight, they would be leading the division. And we're not even talking about just getting in the playoffs. We're talking about, man, could they possibly host a home playoff game, which also isn't completely off the table. But I'm just saying nope. a golden opportunity was there and they didn't capitalize on it. No, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, the Jaguars are as reeling as any other, like as much as any other team in the NFL is right now. I mean, they are really struggling. Obviously, Houston is struggling without CJ Stroud. It's been, uh, huge issue for them um I, I i guess i wanted yeah let me let me zoom out real quick and and just talk about big picture colts because we started about this in the beginning it's about how the expectations have changed throughout the season right we've seen what this team can do what they can overcome um who they can be even without some of their best players and it's been enlightening and, and encouraging i think for a lot of colts fans so take me through the scenario in which they maybe lose this game and or split like a one and one down the stretch and miss the playoffs. If they're if they finish nine and eight, or even if they finish eight and nine, I don't know if there's a huge difference there and miss the if they miss the playoffs. Let's just let's just be as simple as we can with it. What? How are you going to view this season? Is it a disappointment that that they they couldn't finish, or is it? Hey, this team showed more than I ever expected they would. They got a lot to build on, and next year, you know, you have to learn how. You know, it's one of those cliches. They have to learn how to win. They have to learn how to close next year. Now that they've they've been through it, they'll learn how to close. Where where, again, maybe that's that's just the the seeing the bright side. But where, where would you be if this team misses the playoffs at this point? I would lean more towards the latter. What you said, where they probably overachieved and did more than I expected. Okay. I can't absolutely crush a team for yeah. getting right there and then maybe disappointingly, you know, missing the playoffs just because of all they've had to deal with. Even now, um, we haven't even touched on it, but Julian Blackman, he's yeah. done for the regular season. He was having a career year, um, was top 10 in Pro Bowl voting for safeties and, you know, led the team in interceptions, was having a, a really, really great year. 
Now he's out for the remainder of the regular season with a shoulder injury. Um, talk to a league source. They have a, he has a chance to come back and play. But again, another starter that they have to find a way to try to win without. Now the good news is you have Nick Cross, who's been playing better as of late, um, more confident this year. It seems to be more um, in tune with what's going on in defense, so maybe he helps out. But overall, I couldn't say that this season – is more of a disappointment than an overachievement if they don't make the playoffs because I look at it like this. I did not expect him to have a good year. Personally, I picked him to go 5-12, and 12, and that was with Anthony Richardson at quarterback. And now I'm like, wow, you guys really, you know, rallied around what you had. And two things I, I feel very confident in. If they get a healthy, healthy Anthony Richardson, that could change a lot of things for this team. That's very obvious, but I think that with him, they could legitimately have contended for, and they still have, an AFC you know, South title. I think he's that good of a player. Um, and, and I know he would have growing pains, and, and he would have had his thinker games too and all those things. But yeah. just looking at how he changed what the offense looked like, even just the threat of him running, what yeah. they did for the offense was, was phenomenal. And so... I think about that and I also think about Shane Steichen proving that even without the best, you know, players or the best players available to him, he can generate something that looks like a competitive football team, which is I mean, that that's that's commendable in my eyes, because, again, we go back to who they've been missing. You, you know, Pitts only missed one game, but it was obviously it was a big game. He's missed time. JT missed seven games this year. Grover Stewart missed six games this year. Like I just said, Julian Blackman's going to miss at least two this year. He had played every single snap except for two. We'll see how that goes. But all of these things have happened, and they've still found a way to be in pretty much every game. I know this game, uh, I believe the, the early Jacksonville loss, and I'm probably missing another one where they just weren't really in it. But they've been in every single game so far, regardless of the circumstances. So I have to probably tip my cap more towards that than the latter. But I will say, Jim, as competitors, it would really be disappointing to do all of this and get so close and then fall flat on your face. And because you're right. doing it, I don't think you're going to have a chance next year. And obviously your schedule won't be as easy as it is this year, no, quite frankly. Right. So I think you capitalize on this and, and you feel better. But no, I, I could not, you know, I think emotionally, a lot of fans in the moment would be like, man, this team is the same old Colts, but no, they're not. I think they proved that they haven't been, which is why even in my post-game video that I do on Twitter, Jim, I didn't kill them for losing against Atlanta because earlier this year when, I, when I've you know kind of gone off the rope and, and gave them the people's elbow and said that they're done or stick a fork in them, they've responded every single time. And so mm -hmm. I, I can't say they're going to for sure do it again against the Raiders, but I also can't say they're going to fall flat on their face because they've proven to at least have, you know, a few more rounds in them. So um, we'll see what happens. How yeah, about I mean, you? I guess that's what I, oh yeah. I mean, my reaction is very pretty similar to yours. I, it's, it's hard to make it this far to be in the position they were in, to see the division collapsing around you, which is what is happening by the way. Yeah. This is the worst Titans team we've seen in a while. This is Houston was on a roll, but they lost Stroud. Jacksonville is completely falling apart. Even I mean, Trevor Lawrence is playing, but like not well and hurt yeah. and certainly flawed. Like this division is there for the taking. So it will be disappointing. It'll be more disappointing than I think would I would even like allow myself to think about. 
if that makes any sense, because like, mm-hmm. I'm with you, I, I think this team is well overachieved. I think I might've had them at six wins. Maybe I think ahead of the year and quote me on that, I guess, but I think, and so obviously being at eight and being in position to take the, to lead this year in the, in the division is not something I expected. It is commendable. I think they have the right coach in Shane Steichen, which is a huge step for this team, having the right guy. And as you said, I'm, I, I think people know on this podcast, know I'm a firm, a firm believer in Anthony Richardson, I believe he was going to do great things even as a rookie this year. I think there would have been some ups and ups and down games. Like there's possible they would have, you know, won games they lost this year and lost games they won this year yeah. with Anthony Richardson just because of some of the things that he would do. But ultimately, I think they probably would have won more than they lost. Uh, I think they'd probably be a game or two better um, with him as he as he grew. But so I guess that's encouraging, right? If you I get in my head, I, I'm, I'm trying. I think I'm just kind of talking this out as I'm, I'm thinking it through. If you tell me that Anthony Richardson played all these game all these games this year with the Colts. I think they're probably right now a nine to ten win team, and therefore yeah. that is pretty encouraging. And being an eight win team without him is also pretty encouraging. And I can't forget what happened last year: four twelve and one, three different yeah. starting quarterbacks. Yep, obviously two different coaches. One of them was an interim coach with no coaching experience at all coming in. So like all of that happened. They hire Shane Steichen. They draft Anthony Richardson. He gets hurt. Juju Brents, by the way, another top pick for them, has missed a a ton of time this year. All this has happened, and they've still been much better. And I think, you know, not to get too much into the cliches, they really have changed maybe the foundation and the culture of what they want to build going forward. Because to me, the team last year had held onto the rope for so long, and then it just avalanche and snowballed. We haven't had that experience so far this year where you just no. watch a game where you're like, this is absolutely horrible. I mean, last week was probably, in my opinion, their worst outing of the year just because of who it was against and you know what was on the line, those types of things. But again, I can't completely be upset with a team. Even if they finish with you know a losing record of 8-9, that would be double the win totals they had last year. Yep. With some of the same sort of adversity with, you know, different quarterbacks, different skill players being in and out, defensive players obviously being in and out, all of those things. I, I can't be that upset about it. And then, you know, that was to me uh, about as bad as it can be. And credit to Shane Sykin and this team, they usually respond. The key yep. now, though, and Zaire said it, what separates, you know, good from great or even average from good is the consistency. They haven't had consistency the last month of the season at all, whether it's offensively or defensively. They haven't had that, you know, bread and butter. We're going to do this every single game like they had during that four-game winning streak. So um, we'll see. And, I mean, a lot of it probably is just turnovers too. You got to be able to force some, and you got to keep yours down. I think if they are able to make life a little difficult on Aiden O'Connell, which I'm sure they will try, that will help a lot. You know, give yourself some short fields and make him, you know, just see some ghosts. Sort of like – you know, Baltimore did with Brock Purdy, throw some things at him he hasn't seen before. And, you know, again, Aiden O'Connell isn't going to be relied on to win the game for the Raiders. But if you force them, similar to how the other teams are forcing the, the Colts to play, if you force Aiden O'Connell to be your playmaker, to be your most important guy, to be the guy that, you know, basically dictates the offense, your chances, in my opinion, of winning that game goes up. Because as we've seen, the Raiders, when they're winning, especially under Antonio Pierce, They've run the ball, and that's what they've done. They've won in the trenches, and so trenches have to get back to winning for the Colts, and if they do, then we'll be talking about, okay, what does this final game mean for the season if they're at 9-7 and with a chance to punch a ticket to the playoffs, which right now, they're in that last spot. 
Miami sounds nice, Jim. I, I wouldn't mind it. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> no, it could go either way. Like I said, I think I think they've. I, I I like that we've agreed that if even if they don't get there, they've accomplished something this year. They have a foundation they've set. But it would be a disappointment, especially if you end on a on a three game losing streak. Um, they've avoided that most of the year. They had the one three game losing streak in the middle of the season. But every other time they you know, they lost the opener, bounced back with a win. They lost against the Rams, bounced back with a win. Lost against the Bengals, bounced back with a win. So I think you expect them the majority of the time to bounce back with a win. They got a chance. I'm going to put you on the spot here as we as we close up this podcast. Ooh, okay. You, I know you told me you had kind of a bad feeling about the way things were going. I don't know if that was maybe just residual from the from the Falcons game with the way they look so bad, or is it? Do you really think that, hey they're they're placing the Raiders at the wrong time? Run game's not there. What's your well, give me a prediction right now? I won't hold you to it. Actually, I will. I'll be Ooh, nice about it. It's okay. Wednesday. I'll give you three more days. No, nah, no, nah, you can figure it out. It. But what's your I, prediction I, right now? I'm gonna go 24 17 oh, Colts. Okay, okay. I'm gonna He's say turned around. They, yeah, I'm gonna say they get it done just because in my mind, I'm also remembering that they have an interim coach with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Yep. And this, to me, is Gus Bradley's chance. I know he's been getting a lot of criticism over the last few weeks over his defense. And, you know, you're trying to stop explosive or, or big plays, but you also can't tackle. Like All those things, you get that corrected, and you don't let a rookie quarterback and interim coach come into your house and beat you. You can't let that happen. And the Colts did it to the Raiders last year. So they're probably trying to return the favor. They didn't have a rookie quarterback, of course, but they had interim coach. They went there and they won. But... I think that just from off pure pride alone, you cannot let that happen because it'd be even different if it was a really good rookie quarterback. Aiden O'Connell is not good. So in my mind, I'm like, you cannot let this happen. So um, for the sake of my story, my conversations after the game, um, I'll, I'll go with 24-17. Um, but I, I will say I'm, I'm a bit, I'm feeling a bit ominous about it because the Raiders are rolling at the right time. And um, yep. like you said, they're going to muddy the game up and try to make it weird. And, you know, one bounce one way could change a lot of things. But I just think that with John Taylor back there, healthy again, who knows if Zach Moss is available as well. Maybe that'll help them as well. And Bonko Pimmett Jr. is back. I just feel like you have so many things that could potentially help you boost your chances that you cannot fall flat on your face against this team, um, which, I mean, at one point lost – Three to zero to the Vikings. Like you cannot lose to that team. It's three weeks ago. It wasn't even that long ago. I know. I mean, but was, I mean they also scored sixty three against the Chargers. <laughs> that's the Chargers. You cannot be the Chargers. There you go. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to start thinking about it. I mean, you're gonna have to start thinking about hey, if this team falls flat on its face against the Raiders, how am I gonna write that story? And then you're also Ooh, gonna Lord. have to think about, yeah, those those good conversations right. you can have after. Where, so how many days hey, I got I'm... to think about this? You you trying to stress <laughs> me already. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's got some other good stuff. Actually, that's a great way to for us then. He got some other good stuff. I, I think I can say it here. You got some on uh, Nick Cross coming up yes, that we're looking yes. forward to. We'll preview the uh, preview the Raiders game. Obviously, that'll be a big part of this on, on Friday. That'll come down. So, um, plenty of coverage on the Colts coming up. Obviously, we we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you all had a merry Christmas. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining.